Too clear. Find it made his. Reflecting on my life and what I done. Pay dues, made rules change out of love. The same views made schools change curriculums. But didn't change me staring down the barrel of their gun. Should I feel resentful? I didn't see my full potential. Should I feel regret about the good that I was into? Everything is everything. This ain't coincidental. I woke up that morning with more heart to give you as I. Everything is everything. This is not coincidental. Hello, I have returned with a new episode of Black Factivism. My name is Corey McCarthy. Um, it's a special solo edition um, of Black Factivism. You know, we planned to come back a couple of weeks ago, but then, you know, we just hit by tragedy. It's tragedy, tragedy, we hit by Buffalo. Rest in peace to the folks in Buffalo, their families, um, their loved ones. You know, at some point, Black death needs to stop being symbolic. At some point, we have to start looking at the perversion of Black death and the benefit so when we think about Black death, we, we think about who benefits. The media, white supremacists, white gun culture. I mean, right, it pays to kill Black people. Rest in peace to those children and, and those educators lost in Texas. Historically, it has paid to be violence. Has, violence has funded hate. Not just because these bozos can't fight. It's because it is a John Wayne, cowboy, Custer, General Custer culture that people do not want to let go of. The feeling of power that, that, that's on your hip when you have a gun. It makes you feel like you're in control of children, women, um, un marginalized communities. And that's not to say, you know, in our communities, people don't use guns, assault rifles. I want to give a shout out to public school system, inner city schools. You want to know why this doesn't happen in inner city schools? Because we as educators understand that the survival of our students is codependent on our relationships. So when someone is about to do an ungodly act such as shooting up a school and they put it on, on social media, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, I'm probably going to get a call. Hey, McCarthy, somebody, 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 somebody trying to do something crazy. I ain't no snitch though, right? Of course, there's a difference between snitching and telling, cool. And that's when we get to work. And then you, you know what I do? I, I find out who the kid is, 
and I look for the, and I identify who's the next best person that has a relationship with them. Who could who could get them in a place where they stop hating themselves and to and to revert to understanding what who what their best qualities are. You know, we truly underestimate relationship building. What if we just asked a kid? And, and, and let's look like, like let's play pass along, right? Two or three times a week, you just ask a kid what their goals are, what they want to be in first grade. You pass that along to second grade. Fourth grade comes, hey man, I still want to be a lawyer. Okay, tell me why. Tell me more. You talk to kids and you get three whys out of them. They may you they may mess around and think you they may mess around and think you care. Hey, why? Why do you want to be a lawyer? Well, I want to be a lawyer because I see my father get locked up. Why'd your dad get locked up? Man, we were poor and he had to rob a bank. Why do you have to rob a bank? Because he was in jail and he couldn't get a job. Like, think about that. You get to the third Y with kids, you might be all right. You might be all right. So when you're in a in a in a in an urban school, you're not gonna get this, you're not gonna get a lot of that isolation because the empathy is so abundant. The problem is that we let a, we let a lot of bozos who teach in our schools ruin the ruin the ecosystem with their racism, with their language, with their ignorance, with their biases and their microaggressions. We have to elevate our children at a younger age because they're going to end up like a school shooter. There's not many degrees of separation when you're dealing with mental illness and isolation, self-hate. Every time you turn, there's a door closing. When it's the opposite, there should be a door opening. I'm not empathizing with the killer. I just seen it work. I've seen relationships work. I've seen empathy do the work. New Mission High School, 2007, I believe, 2008, maybe 2000, maybe 2009. There's supposed to be a big fight at the park. Huge fight, 30 kids. I another kid, another kid said, hey, McCarthy, hey, McCarthy, there's about to be a fight at the park, 30 kids. And I ain't no snitch. I ain't telling nobody. I'm just telling you, I like my school and I don't like, I don't want us to get that sort of reputation. I said, okay, I got you. So I hid in the bushes. 30 kids came up to the field. Real hullabaloo about to happen. I came out like I was peeing in the bushes. <laughs> and I was like, hey, what's everybody doing here? What y'all doing here? Oh, what y'all doing here? Take your behinds back to the class, back to the school, man. I didn't suspend one kid. You want to know why? They were so shocked. 
that I highlighted their mistake because they knew what they were doing wrong or what they were about to do was wrong. Relationships. And relationships building is the ultimate universal screening tool we could use. Not just failure in grades, not just lack of attendance, not just acting up, discipline referrals. The ultimate tool for universal screening is relationships. Because that's where you, one, have tough conversations. Two, you never know anything about a kid until you know what they respect. And three, you can help them co-author their trajectory. We are so happy when kids, when we say to kids, we get a response from them and you say to a kid in third grade, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be an NBA player. Great, 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 great. Wonderful. What's next? How? How do you get there? It's like when kids want to go to college, right? And you tell them, hey, I want to go to Bentley. Bentley's 82 grand. Well, Mr. McCarthy, 82 grand and my, my total household is $52,000. Well, um, Terrence, you are your scholarship. You are your scholarship. We got to start believing different in our kids because no one is coming to save us. These politicians are not coming to save us. These policymakers aren't coming to save us. They're not. Elected officials just want to fatten their pockets. But even that, within that is, is, is hypocrisy. Like, let's talk about the Chris Rock. Remember Chris Rock was like, hey, man, there'll be less violence if, there was if, there was, if it cost $500 a bullet. So we could drive up the price of iPhones. We could drive up the price of cars. We could drive up the price of gas. And nobody wants to charge. I could go get a gun for $400 and shoot up a middle school. And you mean to tell me that these money-hungry capitalists I have nothing against capitalists. You're inherently a capitalist in this country, despite what bozos may say, right? Shout out to the losers that continue to hate from a distance. I love you guys. But, it, but why aren't you pushed? Why aren't you doing? You're more tougher on cigarettes than you are with guns. This is a nation of heroes, or the timeline of heroes in this nation. There is a timeline of heroes in this nation to a point where they ran out of heroes and they started believing that the actors are heroes. Redford, Cassie the Sundance Kid, Bonanza, John Wayne, Elvis. What it did is it allowed people 
to feel as if they can, that everyone else but them is dispensable. You can't take our guns. Matter of fact, when somebody shoots up a school, we're gonna get more guns and put more guns in schools with more unqualified people. That's what we're gonna do. We're just gonna, we're just gonna add more guns so that we can't run up in the school and wait, we can wait hours to run up in the school to save children from one shooter. I tweeted this. If I'm in a building and I'm not even trying to be y'all, because if you know me, you know me. If I'm in a building and something's happening to my kids or something's potentially happening to my kids, I'm in front or I am first. I'm, I've lived 45 years. I'll take an ungodly amount of pain or a quick death to protect my students. That is a reality I'm willing to live with. And if they're my students that are committing the crime, or potentially, you can keep your gun, you can keep your bulletproof vest, because I could, I believe I could have a conversation. I believe I could help them get to a place where they where they see that this is not the right thing to do. We gotta be honest with ourselves, man. You know, someone once told me what's repeated should be important. Treat those things that are repeated as important. It keeps happening, we gotta, we gotta start treating it like it's important. We gotta start treating it like it matters. That's my piece. It's been a long year for educators, you know, and you know what it, you know what it is like. Educators, like teachers, aren't lazy. They just feel like they have an extra burden, and that comes from, in my opinion, it comes from the pressure of preparation. And we gaslighted learning loss. Oh my God, they didn't get nine months of school like they've been getting for four or 500 years. So ki these, are, these kids are behind. These kids are losing as loss. These kids are gonna struggle. Meanwhile, the kids are sitting there like, damn, can we? Does anybody believe in us? Is anybody going to engage us the way TikTok does? Is, damn, why am I studying vocabulary? I got Google. Why am I doing that? I had a discussion with kids about 20, 21st century skills. 
communication, qualitative, quantitative skills, transparency, problem solving. It didn't disrupt the learning of kids, the pandemic. It disrupted the routine of the construct of the establishment. That's what happened. And we started using the deficit language around kids. Some of them were like, damn, I, I lost a year. But you gained, you gained so much. You can't, students have gained so much, but we are driven by counterproductivity. And if we cannot nail down a student's success or achievement to a number, we are attributing that to failure. Checking on your, checking on your educators of color, man. Because we're struggling too. It's bad enough, we don't feel like our expertise is value. It's bad enough that there's not that many of us. It's, you know what's even worse? That you hear the data of how valuable we are and then we're in places where we're not valued. It's bad enough that we have to hear research about how valuable we are Yet, we don't really feel the value. Now, this is not me blaming white people. This is me I, helping people to tapping, hoping that you tap into your consciousness to really be amenable to change. We have to 100% to normalize our goals and our student goals. You know, we have to talk to some principals a couple of weeks ago. We have to really work on collective efficacy. Collective efficacy. Every student should have access to the best things we have to offer. Language should often be checked and reflected upon. Success should not be measured based on students being on grade. Because in my opinion, on grade is deficit. And it's wildly subjective. And the reason I believe it's subjective because there's so many gifts within the human child. You know, like the kid who knows who knows math in and out, 
but they get berated because their English scores are a little low. Because in our minds, we feel like the English and the math need to match. Like there's some real direct correlation between numbers and words. There is. But let's be honest. You know, when, you, when you're reading those numbers, you're in the matrix. <laughs> but when you're, you're reading those words, you're replaying that song in your head over and over. I want people to be kind to our, to be, like, I just want people to, to, to do what they say they're gonna do. To act upon the things they want to do. My only challenge to people after this very hard year is to really work on yourself. Evaluate your morals, your values, and say to yourself, do these morals and values negatively or Adver uh, adversely or positively impact my students. Do my morals and values adversely or positively impact my students? And it's not perfect for me. Right? I'm loud. Some people see me as being arrogant. No student wants to, some students just don't want to be around that. Because sometimes it makes them feel like I want them to be like me. And that's just part of who I am that's connect, could be adversely impacting students. Every day I wake up, I open my eyes and I'm like, okay. I'm not, I'm not here to save students. We're not there to save them. We are responsible for helping them manage their curiosity. That's learning. Develop the capacity to be curious. Come to a main idea. Unpack how you got there and then own it. Our kids, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in Everett, Massachusetts. I love Everett, Massachusetts. I love walking in Everett. I loved, I was in Everett today. Today's Saturday, I was in Everett. I was driving up and down Broad Street. I drove up and down Broad Street four times. Broad Street, Broadway, four times. And I was just looking at people. And I could, I could see how happy they were with their freedoms. But I could also feel the absence of The, the, the political commitment to them. I could see it, I could feel it. 
although I, they, they looked amazing, they're going to get somewhere because they just, they just know they, these are things they have to do. They have to go buy, they have to go buy things. You know, the, the, the taxes are high, you know, they're just very like, you know, anxious about things. They don't want to cause any harm, immigrants, newcomers, white, older white folks just loving their town and their community, often looking at the sky and the sun and like, damn, it's, it's I appreciate this warmth. But as you know, there, there's a, there's a climate uh, perpetuated by scandals, politicians, corruption, uh, backdoor deals that affect these kind people. And this week, a group of kids who I'm calling the Everett Six, possibly the Everett Eight, on 523-22, they let a walkout in the single most powerful event in education I've ever witnessed. I've met Coretta Scott King. I met Kwame Torre. To watch the students of Everett High School, black, white, orange, brown, green, yellow, Asian, AAPI, Latinx diaspora, Italian, Irish, African, Haitian, Jamaican, walk out and tell City Hall, tell these politicians, you will not disrespect us. I know our mothers and fathers have sort of bent the knee to you guys, but we will not because you guys are giving us a quality education. And you guys told us we could speak out. You guys told us we have voice. You guys told us we have choice. So act like it. Resign. We need to hold you accountable. They were loud. They were respectful. They had their arms around each other. There was no, there was no, no, no thought of like suspension, no thought of consequences, no umbrella of sort of like policing or governance was held over them. They went out there and they harmoniously held politicians accountable. Because members of the city hall were making fun of black people. in a town where 80% of the people are people of color. And these students moved mountains. And it was one of the most emotional moments I've ever had in my life as I drove by I had to pull over. I thought I was having an anxiety attack. But why should I be surprised when history has told us that the youth has no problem saying, we got this, we just needed to know what was going on.
as a result, people resigned. These students now came back and say, hey, we want to, we want to say in what happens in our town. We want to hold people accountable. We want black, white, marginalized, oppressed, take your chains off. We got this. You want to get 1,700 more people? Let's do it. You want to hold political rallies? Let's do this. You want to meet? Let's do this. You want to have focus groups? Let's, let's do this. We want to have a public comment? Let's do this. That's what they said. And the key thing was, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. So if you're looking for me to take credit for organizing a walkout, no. I can't say I did. All I, want, all I wanted to do is just be present, be informative, and listen. It's gotten me that far in my career. I call that walkout the greatest lesson plan I've ever seen in my life. I had a couple of parents reach out to me upset that their kids went, disobeyed them. I want you to ask your kids why they went. I know who your kids are. I see them holding hands with black children, black people, black people. I seen him on video saying, this is my friend. This is my friend. That that's you know, and in these situations, you know, our kids, people have such a bad rap, you know, for doing these walkouts and the ever police were guiding kids the way we expect police to. And I gave him a huge, I'm giving him a huge shout out for that. I don't have a problem with, I don't have a problem with every police. I just feel like people think it's contentious because I'm me, loud black man, loud educated black man. And, you know, but I don't have a problem at all. I'd give them props. Cause that's the way it's supposed to be. So what does that mean for our students? Well, I asked them, wait, how do you feel? One student said, I wanted to do that since third grade. And somebody made fun of my hair. Another student said, it was the answer to all everything my parents complained about. Another student said, I wanted to be there because I'm not working in, I'm not coming back to a city where people don't love me. And that was just a critical, a critical piece, you know? So I, so shout out to the Everett Six and more importantly, shout out to the Everett high school students. There's middle school kids that wanted to do it, you know? And, and it wasn't about the walkout. It was about the message. 
And if you're listening and 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 kid and, and students are want to organize and voice their opinions, you don't just work on their message. Let them do that. Let them handle that. You help them with their response. You help them with their with, with master that level of energy and keep the compass pointing in that direction. Every child, every student, part of teaching and learning, we have, and I believe this deep down in my core, we must meet students with essential questions. And get the feedback. What is your goal? How could you use this content in the real world? Where do you struggle most? Who are you as a learner? Because it helps them own their own experience. It makes them feel valued as thinkers. It makes them have a better understanding and having a sense of belonging and purpose in school. So instead of like consequences for being late or being absent, that responsibility, it goes within the left side of their chest. So as, as we look at, at how we're going to sit this summer and think about what we want to do and how we could be better, we look at value. We look at language. We look at our, our morals and values and, and, how, and how they could positively or negatively impact students. And then we evaluate ourselves. We give really good feedback to kids. And then that becomes your cycle. And then the students start moving further and further away from us as they develop their own. And they value your own relationships. And they build upon that. That's how it works. That's how it works. So with that being said, um, thank you. Um, for joining us and, 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 and being a part of this episode. Um, look forward to having Ms. Ferrer Douglas back with us. Um, stay positive, keep it real, value each other, um, and build together. And let's work on establishing this collective efficacy. Thank you.